Today's readings are kind of fun. This is like the nastiest et you've ever seen, right? This is like social media today has nothing on God. The first reading sets up this beautiful image of, oh, the people of Israel are the, the Lord's vineyard. It's all so wonderful and all so much care that he puts into the vineyard. And then the psalm repeats it again. The people of the Lord or the, you know, Israel is the Lord's vineyard. And then you get this gospel. And it's like, what am I going to do with the keepers of the vineyard? I'm going to put those wretched men to a wretched death. That's vicious. So to explain a little bit the, the big picture of what's going on here, I'm going to do a quick kind of review of salvation history. What, what is the big picture? So we believe that, that God created the universe, and then at a certain point in time, there were, there were two human beings, the, the, the fathers, father and mother of all of humanity, and at some point they sinned. God had given humanity literally the world, placed us to govern over it. He gave us the life of grace and placed us in something even better than the vineyard, what we call the garden. He gave us everything. And we as human beings, because we fail, or we, we, we tend to, to do not-so-intelligent things, we decided to sin against it. We lost what had been given to us. The garden turned into a wasteland. But God said, okay, instead of just destroying all of this and starting over again, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little portion of this wasteland and I'm going to make it into something beautiful. As it says in the, in the gospel, he built a wall around it, created the wine press, planted the seed, tended the vineyard, what was happening there was, was essentially the calling of Abraham. So around the 7th century BC, God calls Abraham out to be the father of, of many nations, but specifically the nation of Israel, Judea. There would be God's people in particular. And then you know the story. Eventually, you've got the, the 12 tribes, or the 12 brothers. They end up in, in Egypt. They continue to grow. Then God leads them out of Egypt around the 13th century BC. They go to Israel, what we call Israel today. And in that area, they continue to grow and grow and grow. But, like, I, if you don't have a king, Things are kind of a mess. And so God tries to fix it by having the judges. And these are these people that would kind of rise up and, and straighten Israel out whenever they started to, to stray. And that worked for a while, but basically the people of Israel kept growing and growing and growing and growing. They needed a king. So God said, fine, I'll establish a king. We're going to give some real structure to this vineyard that I've created. So there's Saul and there's David. You guys know all the stories with them. And go figure. We as human beings keep messing it up. The people of Israel, even with the kings, need the prophets who come and call them out one after the other, after the other, after the other. And what do we find happens with most of those prophets? They end up getting on people's bad side, so telling everybody that they're doing it wrong. 
and they're beaten, and they're killed. They're essentially the vineyard owner's men who go and ask the vineyard to bring forth the fruits that it was meant to bring forth. And then God says, you know what? Humanity keeps messing this up, so I'm going to send my own son. He will enter into humanity, and he will fix the problem. As it continues in this gospel reading, what happens whenever he sends his son? The vineyard owners kill the son, thinking that they will acquire his inheritance. But right here, the parable completely breaks down. Something different happens here. The son isn't just killed and thrown in the ditch to rot. The son of God, through death itself, puts death to death. He destroys the bonds that that held him. He, in fact, is able to create not just an angry father, but an entirely new vineyard through his death. That's where we come in. Now, I'm sure you guys can think of, of a movie that you've seen that, uh, in which essentially the storyline is there is this like earth-threatening, world-ending danger. And then somebody gets a call. Maybe it's like a, maybe it's like a, a, a special forces team or a spy or a superhero or something of that sort. And this, yeah, the, this country western thing is another classic one, right? Like the woman comes running, help, help, help. The bandits are coming, right? It's all the same storyline. I hate to break it to you. Stop watching Netflix. They're all the same story. Uh, and then this person does this epically large, he puts forth so much effort does these amazing things to save the world. And then it ends with the cowboy on the, on the horse, you know, riding off into the sunset. Let's be honest, we all kind of love that story. We've heard it a million times, told in a million different ways, but there's something at the depth of the human heart that loves that story. And the reason is because that story is fundamentally the story of Jesus Christ. It's actually the story that we're inserted into as Christians. That what happened was God created the people of Israel and they made a disaster of the whole thing. And Jesus Christ came and entered into it and said, this is not going to end in this way. I am going to be the hero that comes and enters into this reality so that the world might have life. Now, the sad fact of the matter is that we are all living in the 21st century, right? Like, Christ happened a while back. 
when I was growing up, like, yeah, believed in Christ, sure. But it wasn't really real to me. Like, Jesus Christ was pretty much as real as, like, King Arthur. You know, like, yeah, the story that you choose to believe in because you believe. And what happens within us, because history has separated us, is that we begin to essentially kind of see it as this not real thing. Have you guys, like, is this, have you guys, have you guys experienced this? Do you recognize this within your own lives? Have you seen it within other people? And what ends up happening is we begin to essentially take salvation for granted. Yeah, sure, we've had salvation for the last 2,000 years. What are you so excited about, Jesus? That's essentially what we begin to say. We think, basically, that we deserve salvation. We think that we're part of this thing and we always have been. But actually, the gospel today is shouting at us. It's not shouting at the Jews, right? We all like to think like, yeah, look, Jesus is calling out the Jews. I want to say that right now, Jesus is calling out us. Because what he's saying to you and me, unless you're Jewish, he's saying, hey, you never were part of this. You weren't part of the vineyard. You weren't one of the tenants. You weren't given salvation. Naturally, you and I, we're part of what's called the, the massa damata, the condemned mass of people. God created a vineyard to save just a little portion of paradise. And unless you're Jewish, you're not part of it. And so this story of Jesus Christ saving the world, the cowboy riding off into the sunset, it's not something where we watch and we're like, oh, wow, he saved the whole world. That's so nice. No, he saved you. The asteroid was coming for your home. The bandits were burning your city your soul. That's how we enter into this. To maybe bring it down just a little bit more. I feel like this is kind of a heady homily. Have you guys ever played like a card game or something with a kid and you let them win? because you're not that bad of an aunt or uncle, cousin or whatever. And then they go around and brag to everybody, like, oh yeah, I won. I beat them. Has this ever happened to you? Or maybe one of those situations, so this actually happened to me in high school once. I was at a pep rally and like some people were shooting baskets before the pep rally. And like, I'm awful at basketball. Like short white guy, like I fit that like 100%, right? 
And they threw the ball at me. And there I was in front of this like packed gym. And I was like, oh no, this is gonna be awful. Well, I'll just like kind of toss it at the net. Like, as if I don't care. And I just kind of like underhand threw the ball, like didn't even look. And it was swish, right? In front of this packed gym. And I just kind of kept walking as if like, oh yeah, I do that all the time, right? Like, that is pure luck. We're in a similar situation. But there was nothing about my skill that made that basket. There's nothing about the child's skill that won the game. It is com a completely freely given gift to us. And so every single one of us need to be able to transform the way we look at Jesus Christ. To not be this, this historical figure way back in the past. To not be this person that kind of like, oh, it's almost like karma that like saved the universe. This, this universal power. No, this is an individual person that chose to give of themselves heroically, specifically for you. That freely given gift is the response of living the Christian life.